Chris. So as I mentioned early on, for our guest today, we're starting a new series, and the series is going to be uh, something along the lines, or along the lines of what it means for us to be created by God and created to become in God. Hopefully, us to understand what it means for us to be people who are authentic in that, creative, and hospitable. Starting, of course, with what it means for us to be authentic as God created us to be. Um, I personally don't believe that we as humanity and the earth are simply a product of random cosmic chaos. Now, we can debate science some other time on that as to whether you think it or not. But I I fall in line more with the kind of the Nicene Creed understanding that says, I believe that God created all that is and nothing has come into being outside of God. So I'm I'm a theocracy person that believes in in God who created all things, and thus, as such, as part of creation, God created us, right? No? You guys with me? Did I lose you in the first three sentences this morning? I was just checking, you know. And among the many things that God has created us to be, God created us to be authentic in some form or fashion, right? Think about it. Authentic, genuine, sincere, true, these synonyms that we use... To, to describe a concept or an idea. It's a way in which we gauge the quality or the character of someone or something. Genuine. And the opposite is fake, right? Or a fraud, you know, right? To be genuine or a fake. So late summer of 2015, I'll share a little story with you. Late summer of 2015, Margaret and I went to New York City with our middle daughter, Crystal, and her fiancé, Bridget. Now, those of you who know our family structure, we have a daughter who's in a same-sex marriage and relationship, right? And they had a wedding ceremony here in Kansas City, but of course the good old state of Missouri does not recognize same-sex unions, right? So they decided they wanted to be married, and so they went to New York City to do that before they went on their honeymoon. So we went with them for a few days' journey of New York City. It was fun to go through the process with them because you go to the courthouse. There's several courthouses in New York City that you can go to. They picked one. They went. They got their marriage license. You have to wait 24 hours to use it. So we toured the city with them and then went back the next day all dressed up in their finest regalia and we went to the courthouse and before the representative they performed the ceremony and they were married in New York City. But while we were there we decided to do a few other things as well. You know, you're in New York City. I'm not going to pass up the opportunity to see a few things, do a few things, right? So we toured the city. Ate at some of the nice, fun restaurants to go to, some of the historic ones. We went to Lombardi's and got pizza at Lombardi's. For those of you that are familiar, it's one of the last coal-fired ovens in the United States that can actually operate using coal. Um, we went to Junior's for cheesecake, because evidently they're known for their cheesecake. So we went to Junior's, among other things, right? And we walked around the town. Everybody walks around, you know, the town of New York City. We went to Central Park. We went down to Times Square and walked around. We walked around the World Trade Center site to see the reflecting pools and different parts of it and things like that. And, yes, we even walked through Chinatown. How many of you have been to Chinatown in New York City before? Interesting place to go walking around. Now, a moment of confession about my vanity. You'll all appreciate this. Uh, I happen to own a fake Rolex watch. 
You can judge me all you want on that. Feel free to. Just something I happened to have bought somewhere along the line a while ago. I had... I think I paid $100 for it or something like that. And I, I decided to wear it to New York City rather than any other watch that I own because if it got taken off of my wrist, I really wasn't going to mind all that much. Amen? Right? So we're walking around Chinatown, and there's a guy that's sitting on the corner by this little uh, stand, and he looks at me and he says, Hey, mister, want to buy a fake Rolex watch? <laughs> Now, I kind of looked at him with a puzzled look on my face because I had one on my wrist in plain sight. It's short sleeve weather, right? You know, and I'm sitting here thinking, dude, can't you tell, you know, that it's not real? But I looked at him, I said, no thanks, actually the one that I have is fake, as it is. And he looked at me and says, really? I couldn't tell that it was a fake from this distance, you know? And I thought, wow, you know? When you think about in, in our life and in our circumstances, as much as we try to be successful at being the ideal, often in our lives we can also be fake at some things. And many of us who are skilled and adept at this in our personal interactions and and in the world around us, we even know how to tell the genuine thing from what's fake. We encounter this in our world, moments in and moments out. I mean, there's nothing like getting a waiter or a waitress who has absolutely no desire to serve you in that moment, let alone serve you with excellence, but they try to pull it off so that they can get a tip, right? We all know those circumstances, those moments. We know when someone's being inauthentic with us in human interaction. We know when somebody's only half listening to us, but they're acting like they're really listening to us. We know when people are over-dramatizing circumstances, embellishing on the details of things. We know when someone's pretending to be something they are not. We know when people are being fake. And often when it comes to goods around us, we can usually tell the difference between something that is authentic and something that's genuine, whether it be the clothing, the purses, the shoes, the jewelry, whatever it is. There are a few folks out there that can tell you the difference between an authentic and a fake. My lovely wife, Margaret, from her life experience, can tell you the difference between a real Shelby AC Cobra and the fiberglass kit car. And she doesn't even have to be up next to it. She can tell you from afar. She is that good. Yes, she is. But there's just something inherent within us. I I think we all have a gut reaction to things, to people that are authentic, and we have a gut reaction to people and circumstances that are inauthentic. You think about the authentic things around us. We value them more, amen, right? We give greater level of trust to those things that are authentic. We expect out of them an exceptional quality or a person of highest character when they're authentic to who they are. It's the inauthentic things that we begin to look at differently. We don't value them as much when they're not genuine or real. We view people more with skepticism than trust. And we know that things that are inauthentic have a tendency to fail or quit more readily than those that are the genuine deal. When it comes to our spiritual lives and the disciples' journey, I wonder where we would find ourselves in this conversation. Are we striving in our lives to be authentic representatives of Jesus Christ? Or are we okay with being just a little 
fake in this journey. Think about Paul's letter to Timothy for just a moment with me and how Paul reveals some of himself in this letter to his friend Timothy. He reveals what he believes God is calling him to become. If you remember, Paul was a zealot, right? We all know this. Paul was a zealot. And early on in his life, he was a zealot for first century Judaism and all the norms and what that meant. And that meant that he stood against this new branch that was coming off of Judaism, this group of people who called themselves the way. He stood against them. He actually condemned them, he martyred many of them, he persecuted the church. Because for him, he knew that the way was a false religion. The way proclaimed that Jesus of Nazareth was risen from the grave and as such was God's Messiah for all people. But people within Judaism of his day didn't see Jesus as the warrior Messiah that they had sought for and longed for. And as such for them, the way was something that was wrong to be persecuted, to be martyred. Paul was a zealot for that, spent his life doing that. Until we all know and have read, of course, Paul has a moment of conversion, right? On the road to Damascus, Paul encounters the risen Christ for his own. And Paul the zealot against the church becomes Paul the zealot for the church and the gospel. And spends his, all the rest of his life promoting the way, building new churches in the way. Paul is a servant, an authentic servant of Jesus Christ, is how he proclaims himself. And he says this to Timothy, and the proof thereof, according to Paul in his writing to Timothy, is, is that God has shown Paul great mercy, poured out his grace and his spirit upon him, crafted within him a rich faith, And has been patient with him. No matter what Paul does, God is patient. Because God is crafting in him the person that he intends him to be. Paul sees himself as a work of God. To do the very works of God. If you think about it, what does it mean for you and me then? To be a genuine, authentic person. To have a genuine, authentic faith in Christ Jesus so that we might be driven to be an authentic representative of Christ. Carl Jung, many of you know that name. Carl Jung was a Swiss psychiatrist and psychologist of the late 19th century to the mid-20th century. He is noted for once saying this. It is the privilege of a lifetime to become who you truly are. Did you hear that? It is the privilege of a lifetime to become who you truly are. For our sermon today, I'd amend that just a little bit to say, it is the privilege of a lifetime to become all that God has created you to be. An authentic representative of Christ our Lord. And I believe that God wants this for us, that this is the truest nature of who God is calling us to be because God has always been merciful to you and to me. If you think about it, this relationship with God does not start with condemnation. Rather, God has pursued us all of our days in love. God has been merciful to us. God grants to us grace at our baptism. We all know that the moment of baptism is the moment where God initiates us into the church, into salvation's history. God's grace is coming into our lives, and God continues 
to allow grace to flow into our lives. And that the Spirit of God is crafting in us a rich faith in Jesus Christ as we learn and strive with God. And God, most of all, is being patient with every single one of us. Right? Because this journey is like one step forward and often two steps back. Amen? You know how our journey kind of goes. It's a process in which God is crafting us to be what God desires for us, the most authentic person that we can be. I would say often, though, our struggles and, and maybe what challenges us the most is overcoming what Paul says himself, and that's being the biggest sinner of them all. Because we know our sins. We know our impediments. We know that the world can be a seductive place. We know how easily our possessions can be the things that we love the most and strive after. We think we are created to be people who possess many things. We know that money, we believe that money can buy us freedom, can buy us enjoyment, and that's the liberation that we seek. We know that sex is part of who we are. It gratifies our body and our minds that can become obsessive. These things we can give ourselves over to. And when we do, we know that we become less than what God has created us to be. Because the world misses out on one element. It cannot tend to the needs of the soul. Only God and our relationship with God can tend to our truest needs and help us become the person that God truly desires us to be. And so we find ourselves often torn between the seductive world and costly discipleship. We find ourselves often giving over to a false image. Walter Brueggemann, many of you have heard that name before. Walter Brueggemann, for those of you who do not know, he is a noted biblical scholar. He is a professor and a writer. He was recently quoted as saying this. He said, The crisis in the United States church has almost nothing to do with politics. It has almost nothing to do with us being liberal or conservative. In his mind, he says, the crisis in the U.S. church has everything to do with all of us giving up on our faith and the discipline of our Christian baptism and settling for a common generic U.S. identity that is part patriotism, part consumerism, part violence, and part affluence. In his mind, for many of us, we have taken on a false image, a false identity. We have given ourselves over to something that is not a following of Christ. Maybe the reason is, is uh, and I think about this, uh, is, is that it's so easy for us simply to fall into those kinds of norms. We can align with those pretty quickly. But I also think about our witness to the world around as well. There's a category of folks out there, you probably have encountered them before. They call themselves the spiritual but not religious. Anybody ever met one of those? There's a lot of them around, right, in our world today. They find themselves on a spiritual journey. They just have nothing to do with the institutional church, and they want nothing to do with the institutional church. And maybe it's because they have spotted in some ways inauthenticity, a little bit of a fake. If you think about us people who claim the name of Christian and yet find ourselves giving over to Brueggemann's identity that he has named, Maybe in some ways we have become that. And that is our witness to the world. But honestly, dear friends, I think the most challenging words of Scripture for me personally come from Colossians. 
where Paul writes and says these words, Whatever we say or do should be in the name of the Lord Jesus, and always giving thanks to God the Father Almighty through him. I've always understood these words from Paul to be a challenge to each and every one of us, that our words and our actions should be a representation of Jesus Christ, an authentic representation of Christ that we follow, and that Christ will transform us as we follow the way in which he has lived and been. For us to be authentic is to follow the way of Christ. And to think about how that plays out in our lives. To ask ourselves, when's the last time I dined with sinners? When was the last time I participated in the healing of the sick? The tending to the needs of the poor? When have I extended forgiveness to someone? When have I encouraged someone to become what God has created them to be? Maybe, dear friends, when we begin to see our words and our actions emulating those of Christ, we will become what God has created us to be, an authentic representation of his Son. And then maybe even the world will see through us the true authentic Christ that God wants to be made known to the world. Well, as you go away from this moment, here's a couple of things I hope that you can hold on to and maybe talk a little bit about in your family circle with your friends. I think all of us, we we know the difference between a fake and a genuine article or person. Everyone around us also knows that as well. God today, I think, is inviting us to be our truest, authentic selves in Jesus Christ, to become that and to live that out in our world that our truest selves is lived out in our emulating the works and the words of Christ so that the world might experience the Christ that God has given for them. So here's your invitation for today. A couple of things to consider. Ask yourself first this. What is it that you love and desire in this world? What is it that you love and desire most of all? Could it be the temporal things of this world? that we keep grasping for? Or is it the God who has created you? The God who wants you to be something different? Or maybe ask yourself this, where do you put all your time and your energy, your focus? Because where you put your time, your energy, focus tells you what your priorities are in this life and what you are becoming. I know this much, dear friends. I am the biggest sinner of all. And I say that because I know Jim Hoffman best of all, of all of us, right? But I also realize that my life doesn't have to stay that away, right? I hear the master calling today. I want to become my authentic self. I want to be a a disciple of Christ who models the life and the ministry of Jesus in my very words and my actions, because I know that is who God has created me to become. To go on that journey with Him. It's an invitation for you as well. Who do you want to be? Will you go on that journey? Would you join me in a moment of prayer? So gracious and holy God, in this moment we come before you and Oh Lord, we know that this life is its not an easy journey. There are so many things that are around us that capture our imagination. It captures our heart. 
They are things that are enticing and it is so easy for us to fall in love with those things. But to also hear in our soul the conversation that's going on. The hunger that is within us to be something more. Something different. And to know that that is your whisper of love within each one of us. Beckoning us to come and to follow you to become our truest selves, our authentic selves in you, to be all that you have created us to be. Lord, walk with us on this journey. Teach us what it means to emulate your Son, Jesus Christ, to in our words and in our deeds speak grace and mercy, to find ourselves in the places where the poor, the oppressed, and the hurting are, and to be ministers in those moments. Oh Lord, take us on this journey. Grab us by the hand. Walk with us. And help us to become all that you intend us to be. Our truest, authentic selves in you.